Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. Tonight, blast-off billionaire Jeff Bezos about to launch into space. We'll show you that as it happens. Seven days of lockdown for Victoria and South Australia as the Delta crisis picks up pace. COVID in the country, concerns for regional New South Wales as new cases emerge in the central west. And the most common Delta variant and vaccine misconceptions explained. But first, as we go to air, billionaire Jeff Bezos is on board that rocket ship preparing to launch into space. Uh, let's go straight to our US correspondent Tim Lester, who's in West Texas tonight. Uh, Tim, a bit of a delay. Tell us what they're, uh, why they're a little bit back on um, delayed at the moment. Why is that? Good evening or good morning from the West Texas desert, Michael. There has been a delay, we think, of about 10 minutes to the launch at this stage, but they're very close to a launch. Within a couple of minutes, uh, perhaps about three minutes away, we think. Uh, the reason for that delay, we're not really sure. The, the chatter that's been going on doesn't tell us exactly what was going through their mind. There was a, a little bit of delay bringing them into the capsule and settling everybody down, but that appears to have been done now. Uh, so... Uh, I think we could see the Bezos launch for their first uh, crewed space uh, mission any minute now. How long is the flight expected to last, Tim? Well, one of the extraordinary things about this is for all the effort, all the money, all the attention, it is an 11-minute expedition, uh, an, an ex uh, lift-off under... Uh, a rocket about 18 metres high that it will take it up to roughly, ultimately, 100 kilometres. The capsule breaks away uh, a, a, before that point, then goes into an arc that will go through about three minutes of weightlessness, Michael. Then falling back down to Earth, the rocket will land, but the capsule will come back down under a couple of parachutes. And when it uh, puffs up some dust in the West Texas desert here, it will have been about 11 minutes from yeah. launch. And the four aboard it, including Jeff Bezos himself, will have spent just uh, about three or four minutes in weightlessness. So it's a very brief but quite extraordinary, obviously, Isn't experience. It? Less than a minute now, T uh, Tim. We're going to stick with you and uh, stand by for this launch. We know that they're good for go. His control has said that's happening. Uh, 30 seconds now to go. So we're going to leave the picture up in the frame there. We'll take it full frame when it actually happens. But this has been a dream of the Amazon billionaire since about the year 2000. It's been a, uh, uh, yes, an extraordinary dream. We'll take that full-frame vision now. I think we're at 10 seconds nine, now. Let's have a listen. Eight, seven, six, five, four. Command engine start. Two, one. now. What an extraordinary sight. 
Okay. It's probably too deafening right now for Tim to hear us, I suspect, but what an extraordinary sound and image of Jeff Bezos in his rocket heading into space right now with the other passengers on board as well. Just listen to this. Rumble here in the uh, uh, the West Texas desert as the rocket climbs up uh, towards space. Uh, it will reach a speed of about 3,700 kilometres an hour. You can see a, a white streak going through the sky here from the ground. Um, the rocket will then uh, part company from the capsule and the capsule will make an arc through space for a couple of minutes. There'll be a period of weightlessness for the uh, uh, the four aboard of, of roughly only about three minutes. So that, that separation um, coming up, uh, mm. the rocket now has just made a, a very large a white line through the sky here um, and a great deal of anticipation now as the, uh, as the four aboard it reach space um, slightly higher than uh, uh, perhaps 15 or 20 kilometres higher than Richard Branson nine days earlier. Of course, this is a very different mission. It's not a piloted mission, so no pilot uh, guiding the aircraft. Um, and it's a rocket-based mission, a more traditional yeah. space mission in that sense. Uh, a very brief one. Uh, the Richard Branson flight, of course, was a good deal longer mm. in, in total. This one we expect to end 11 minutes later when the capsule um, comes down uh, under parachutes, perhaps about three parachutes, we should see that, and we'll drop into the, uh, into the desert. Um, so We're looking right now, Tim, just as you're talking, in fact, I'll just, uh, yeah, in quite incredible, I'll just cut over you for briefly because we're seeing the perspectives on the launch and the camera angles are really quite amazing. We just saw a shot there of it looking down, so an actual image from the edge of space there as the rocket hurtles toward it, uh, toward the outer edges of space. Um, I think you cut out for just a tiny bit there. I tell you what, to our ears listening, the sound was so exciting and so riveting. What was it like there? It, it, quite extraordinary. We are a long way from the uh, uh, from the actual launch site here. The police have uh, uh, kept uh, virtually all media and uh, and all spectators out to a boundary that's a long way away. But there was a really loud uh, a kind of gut grabbing rumble all through this valley as the rocket took off there. So quite an unmistakable uh, uh, launch moment there. Uh, so yeah, an, an experience to watch and it will be an experience to see what happens in a few minutes when the capsule comes down. So Quite very amazing. short mission, uh, very quick to be able to tell whether it's success yeah. or not, but, um, but a quite profound moment. Quite, in, quite profound. Look, we're going to leave you there. We're almost the four-minute mark now, I think. Uh, he's due back in about another six or seven minutes. We'll cross this in COVID coverage, but we're going to keep, uh, keep going with you in a tick, so we will uh, come back to you in a minute, Tim, if we can cross back to you. Thank you. Now, in other developing news, the New South Wales government's enforced the first regional lockdown of this outbreak. The city of uh, Orange, Blaney Shire Council and Cabon Shire Council will be locked down from midnight tonight until next Wednesday. No schools, uh, however, the schools, however, will remain open. The decision was taken after a confirmed case in Cootamundra was found to have spent considerable time in Orange, which is 250 kilometres from Sydney. The person visited supermarkets, a pizza hut, 
office works and a petrol station. The SNAP restrictions will impact more than 60,000 residents. Takes the total number of Australians in lockdown to 14.5 million. Well, Victoria's lockdown's been extended by a week after the state recorded 13 new cases today. This is uh, a matter of days. The alternative is months. We don't want that. We've been there, we've done that, we know how hard it is. Sydney's going through that at the moment and we send our best wishes and support to them. I'm determined to avoid that. We are all, as Victorians, determined to avoid that. Our reporter Estelle Griping joins us live from Melbourne. Estelle, good evening. The Ring of Steel, it's back. What can you tell us about the restrictions and the impact on the borders? Well, Michael, the state government's taking this very seriously and they don't want the Delta strain to get any further than it already has. And it's for that reason that people in both New South Wales and South Australia will be barred from entering our state unless they have a valid permit or an exemption. So from midnight tonight, Victorians who are in red zones in New South Wales won't be able to come back in. If they do, they could be forced back on a plane or be told to go and do hotel quarantine at their own expense. They could also be up to it for a 5000 $400 fine and those restrictions will kick in in South Australia from midnight tomorrow so the same deal there as well they could be forced to front up their own cash for hotel quarantine if they don't want to wait for the two weeks to be over. And Victoria planning its own financial package for businesses are still? Yes, Michael, we're waiting for more details about this in tomorrow's daily press conference, but it may be too little too late for some small businesses. We know that industry groups have been saying that businesses have been struggling so much that they really have depleted all of their financial resources and are now down to just using their savings to get by. And that is also why the Australian Retailers Association is calling for a return of JobKeeper to try and get some of these businesses afloat during this extended lockdown. Of course, it's needed. All right, Estelle Greepink in Melbourne. Thank you. Well, South Australia is just a few hours into a snap seven-day lockdown after a fifth COVID case was detected. Mike Smithson is in Adelaide for us tonight. Uh, Mike, good evening to, new, to you. It's a fairly morbid welcome to lockdown from me, but level five restrictions across the state. What does it mean for residents there? Well, Michael, it's going to be a very long week for hundreds of thousands of families right across South Australia. Other states already know well what it's like, but this outbreak has our health chiefs more concerned than anything in the past. Now, the next few days, of course, are critical. If SA gets a head start now, it may only be seven days of pain instead of a much longer period. So, as of a short time ago, you can only leave home on genuine care and compassionate grounds, essential workers, obviously, to purchase food, medical needs, so they're asking please don't cancel your COVID vaccinations, and with family members exercising for 90 minutes close to your home. Seven days is long enough to really affect businesses and, and, and anyone else out there. What's the government doing about financial support for workers and businesses? Well, the Commonwealth says that the same funding conditions to other Australian hotspots will apply from now in South Australia. Simon Birmingham announced that this afternoon. That's some comfort for local authorities who looked and sounded very stressed here yeah. today. Premier Stephen Marshall says, well, it's an extremely disturbing development. Now, Chief Health Officer, who's normally quite calm, says that the 
carrier, one of the carriers from this outbreak here, could already be a super spreader. And they all know public tolerance only goes so far when they're waiting for hours in long queues to be tested. Yep. Some businesses may not survive the prolonged lockdown. Everyone's saying, well, it's already happened in Sydney and Melbourne. But on the bright side, if there is one, of course, this is a learning curve. And let's hope the most valuable lessons have already been learned. Well, look, Mike, I can tell you the best advice from this side of the country is everyone go and get tested. Follow the rules. Test, test, test and get those numbers up and get ahead of it as quick as you can. That's for sure. Delta is tricky. All right, Mike Smithson there in South Australia, Adelaide. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. In two hours, Queensland will shut its borders to South Australia, only allowing returning residents to enter the Sunshine State. At the moment, I strongly recommend that people holiday in Queensland, that they don't go interstate for holidays. That's not essential. It can be delayed. Please just holiday in Queensland because we don't know where the next case might be. Our reporter Alex Lewis is live from Brisbane with an update. Alex, good evening. This comes after its only new locally transmitted case was imported from Victoria. Good evening, Michael. Yes, this is a woman in her 20s who studies in Melbourne. She flew home to Queensland last week for a holiday and she was staying with friends on the Sunshine Coast when she received a text message on Thursday from Victorian authorities advising her that she'd been to a Melbourne pub which was identified as an exposure site. Uh, she went and got a test that came back negative, so she carried about her business uh, going to a shopping centre and going out for dinner at a busy restaurant on the Sunshine Coast on Thursday. Then on Friday, she took an Uber train and bus to Brisbane Airport, then flew to Cairns, uh, where she was met by a relative and then driven to Mariba. Then she started developing symptoms the next day over the weekend, uh, getting tested. Now that result came back last night uh, as positive for the Delta variant. That woman has tonight been transferred to Brisbane on a special, right. special medical jet, along with another COVID-positive case, uh, someone who acquired it uh, overseas. Now, Michael, it appears this woman may have breached the rules. Uh, Alex, I'll tell you what, if you don't mind, orders. I'm, gonna, I'm just uh, anyone... going to butt in briefly, if you don't mind. Sure. We're just going to duck back to West Texas and check in on that rocket ship that Jeff Bezos has been in, and he's returning back now, we understand. Uh, Tim Lester, let's go straight to you again. What's happening there? Uh, Michael, you're just breaking up a little bit there, but uh, I can tell you here that the capsule has just come down under parachutes uh, uh, behind me here in the West Texas desert. Appears to be safely down. Of course, we're going to learn more about how the mission went uh, in the coming minutes and, and certainly as the astronauts appear out of the capsule. Uh, about four or five minutes before the capsule came down, there was another very loud crack here through uh, the valley in the West Texas desert here. That was the return of the main rocket, the 18-metre rocket coming back earlier and safely landing without the use of parachutes, but a, a large deployment of its thrusters as it came back to Earth. 
but the capsule down, Jeff Bezos and his uh, three companions can now claim astronaut status. They're back on Earth in what so far appears to have been a uh, flawless mission. So we're just waiting, watching the vision come down there uh, just a few seconds ago in the, the parachutes deploying there before the capsule itself uh, hit the dirt. And we're waiting now for Bezos and his fellow passengers to actually uh, clamber out of the unit there. Is it like a standard retrieval of astronauts? A crew's going to be going in and releasing them from there or do they have to sit tight for a minute? Do we know what the routine is now, Tim? Well, we don't know a great deal of this routine because, of course, this is their first crewed mission. They've done 15 training missions with this system, but they've all been without human beings aboard. But the, uh, the anticipation is once that capsule touches the sand of the West Texas desert, a crew races uh, uh, to meet the astronauts, uh, to release them, help them as they're required, and bring them back. So... Uh, and it's touched down not that far from where it took off. So uh, we'd anticipate we'd see them pretty soon and, yeah. uh, and get their response to what's going on. Straight up and down. Now, tell me, you mentioned that enormous crack you heard, which was the rocket itself coming uh, back down to Earth in that area. We've got vision of that now. I think that's it there on the screen. Have a look at that. That's incredible the way it comes back down. It's obviously reusable, I, I think we know, coming back down onto the pad there as it re-entered. Tell us about that moment again. Well, that's a, uh, uh, an important part of the system that they've developed is the reusability of the 18-metre rocket. They are developing other rocket systems. Uh, uh, Blue Origin, the um, Bezos company, is working towards a, a, a bigger, more updated system or a, a more modern system, but its current system does allow for the re reusability of the rocket, the rocket that takes uh, the capsule most, not all, but most of the way to its space ride, returns to Earth and under its own thrust is able to land, so it, it is reusable. And of course, the capsule comes back under yeah. those uh, three canopies that we saw so that the whole system is redeployable. They're intending to run this system, by the way, Michael, another couple of times this year with more passengers on board. So yeah. the business Tim of selling tickets uh, to space is already well underway. What we're watching right now, Tim, which you may not see, but I'll describe it. There we go, racing in the recovery team. Uh, one gentleman has left one of those uh, SUV vehicles, two now, heading over to the capsule, one either side, um, searching for the entry point there. Uh, just unfortunately, there it is, the vision's back again. Um, with some haste, they're checking through the window. They're having a look to see if everyone's fine inside and some gesturing and signalling going there. So. We'll leave that up, Tim. It's quite fascinating to watch at the moment and seeing exactly what they're going. We're seeing movement inside the capsule as well. I can't quite make out whether that is... It does look like Jeff Bezos right there, in fact. He was reaching for a hat of some kind and putting his cowboy hat on by the look of it. And looks like they're heading in with some... Uh, tools. There you go. Good old-fashioned drill, it looks like, to try and obviously undo uh, one of the doors or the windows by the look of it to try and get Bezos out, Tim. That's, well, well, that's fascinating. And this, of course, is a, is a highly exciting moment for them, uh, certainly for Jeff Bezos and his response to what's gone on. But 
But also Wally Funk, a, a, a fascinating case. Mary Wally Funk was an astronaut uh, back in the 60s when uh, NASA trained a, a number of female astronauts, but never in male-dominated NASA at the time ever took them to space. So, so this was a long-held desire uh, for her to go to space. She's now 82. Um, the, this mission not only fulfills her ambition of going to space, it also um, uh, gives the team a very important first. She will be, she is now, the oldest person to have ever gone to space at 82, a desire she held as a 20-something uh, back when NASA wouldn't consider her for a mission. So her response mm. to this moment is going to be quite fascinating as well. So many firsts here, Tim, and it's fascinating watching the, the teams and documentary crews rush in there. Uh, they're pulling on some uh, large ropes or tethers at the top of the capsule there. We've certainly seen a lot of jubilation from the passengers inside and waving and thumbs up there uh, from Jeff Bezos by the look of it. They're attaching a, a, a small set of stairs there to three steps to one side of the capsule and they're, they're, they're pulling pretty hard on the top of the, the whatever the top of the capsule is there to release something or other lots of thumbs up lots of happy people inside there at this stage we'd be declaring that's definitely Jeff Bezos of course but uh, obviously declaring this one a, a mission success with all of their gesturing and with any second now we're going to really um, see them emerge from what uh, I think we can safely say it's been a hell of a ride into space. Quite extraordinary, Tim Lester. It, it is. It's, uh, it's quite extraordinary. The uh, Blue Origin, of course, going to great lengths to make sure this is well covered because uh, just as the case was... Uh, just as it was the case with the Richard Branson mission nine days ago, this, of course, serves the purpose of saying to the world, hey, come along, and they're hoping that, well, well I don't think most of us can afford the quarter of a million dollar price tag that the... Uh, the Branson mission has on it at the moment for a ticket, it does get that idea going that space travel is something that ordinary people in time uh, can and should be able to do when they can finally get those ticket prices down. Um, uh, those couple of missions going later this year of this system, of the Blue yeah. Origin system, will hopefully be enough to um, start driving down the prices. Two very different journeys into space, though, weren't they? Uh, one straight up and one in something looking more like a, a, a ride. We're going to stick with this because it looks pretty close that Bezos and his passengers are about to step out right now. Uh, lots of waving, lots of cheering, lots of thumbs up there in the desert. Let's have a look at this very closely. We've got it full screen at the moment. There you go. Doors open. Out he comes. And a high five for his crew there. Fantastic. Look at that, Tim Lester. There's a happy moment. Yeah. That, that is an extraordinary moment. A, 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 moment of, uh, a moment of personal success, a moment that I'm sure he feel will help justify the time and the effort he's put into it. Of course, he's now left Amazon, the, uh, uh, the business that did so well for him and he did so well for it, that developed the wealth of the wealthiest person in the world. Uh, and now invested in this space mission uh, to claim it, to claim this mission as a success, yeah. builds on the fact that he, as a youngster, wanted to do it, but that he wanted to invest in it as a way um, of taking people other than astronauts to space. And this, of course, one of the special elements of this mission today: no pilot on board. 
for ordinary civilians. Well, some would say not ordinary. And of course, Wally Funk is a very accomplished pilot in that sense. But nobody trains specifically to fly a spacecraft. Just four people going up for a look. And they've, uh, they've gone up and we're going to learn in coming minutes just what they thought of that look. We are indeed. I tell you what, Tim, uh, stand by there. We will come back and just play a bit of uh, Jeff Bezos speaking, which we think he'll do in the next couple of minutes or so. It's been uh, fascinating watching this wild ride over the past 10 to 15 minutes. Tim Lester in the West Texas desert will come back to you shortly. Thank you. Welcome back. Australia's sluggish vaccination rollout has been supercharged with this week's arrival of one million new Pfizer doses. Looking at the latest figures, more than 10 million doses have been administered to date. Yesterday was the biggest Monday to date, with close to 170,000 jabs given in 24 hours. More than 75% of over 70s and 60% of over 50s have had their first dose. Currently one third of the population over 16 have had one shot and more than 14% are fully vaccinated. Today, the New South Wales Health Minister took the daily press conference as an opportunity to call out anti-vaxxers. Let's take a listen. Can I just stress that uh, anti-vaxxers obviously live in another universe and others who give messages that uh, this virus isn't dangerous and don't get vaccinated clearly have no medical or scientific training. Don't listen to some of these crazy messages that are coming out implying that this is not a dangerous virus. It's extremely dangerous. Well, vaccinations are key for Australia to overcome COVID-19. However, still a bit of confusion and misinformation circulating. So to clear some things up and bust down some myths, I'm joined by Professor Sanjaya Senanayake in Canberra. Sanjaya, really good to see you again. Let's start with some, a very important one. People who've been vaccinated can still get the virus. So why is it still important to get the jab? So, Michael, no vaccine is 100% protective against infection. However, there are two reasons, one an individual one and one a societal one, why someone should get the COVID-19 vaccine. So the first one from an individual point of view is that it reduces your chance of hospitalisation and severe disease against most strains of COVID. So there was UK data looking at 12 thousand people who were COVID positive. Now about 120 of those ended up in hospital, but only three were fully vaccinated. So having the vaccine protected people against hospitalisation. Now from a societal point of view, it's also been shown that in the UK, if you develop COVID-19 when you've been fully vaccinated, you're 40 to 60% less likely to transmit it in your household. And that of course is a great service to your community. Okay, it stops the spread and stops you getting into hospital. Two important points. The COVID vaccine was developed before the Delta variant emerged in December last year. So does that mean uh, the vaccine is still effective against Delta? Yes, look, the good news is uh, from UK data that even one dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine is 71 percent 71% protective against hospitalisation and if you've had both doses of either the AstraZeneca or the Pfizer vaccine which are the two vaccines that we have in yeah. Australia at the moment, that's more than 90% protective against hospitalisation. COVID booster talk to me about that, when will a COVID booster, what we're talking about is essentially a third shot when's that going to be necessary? 
Look, that's a really good question, Michael, and I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. There are two reasons for which we might need a booster. The first one is declining immunity from the two doses of vaccine that we've received. But at the moment, particularly with the, the Pfizer vaccine, it looks like that immunity might last for a very long time. The second reason, which might actually mean we might need a booster sooner, is if a variant of concern develops that learns how to evade the vaccine. So that, that's the one we have to think about. And of course, from a, from a global point of view, rather than thinking about a third dose or a booster, we should think about those extra doses going to parts of the world which haven't been able to give their populations the vaccine. This is a question I actually get asked a lot by people who write in. Now, res the researchers around the world have fast-tracked the development of the COVID-19 vaccine. Is the fast-tracking a concern? So prior to COVID-19, the quickest vaccine that had been developed from start to finish was the mumps vaccine, which took four years. So it's been absolutely extraordinary uh, the way that the COVID-19 vaccines have been developed. But just because they've been developed quickly doesn't mean that they have been developed recklessly. Mm. So the studies that have been performed have been very carefully developed carefully performed and have been transparent. And Michael, the really important fact to remember is with any vaccine, once they've passed that authorization from a government agency and they're being used in the community, that's called a phase four trial, which of course right. will continue for years and all the data from that will be reported back to the public. It keeps on going, it doesn't just stop and that's the important thing. More research is done constantly as it evolves, which is important to know. All right, Sanjay, really good to have you clarify all of that. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michael. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, earlier we brought you those incredible pictures of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos landing back on Earth after his incredible space flight. Let's go back to our US correspondent, Tim Lester, in the West Texas desert. Tim, uh, what's the latest on this incredible mission? Well, all the signs are, Michael, is that it's been an outstanding success. And the most recent of those signs, the cracking of the champagne after the four crew aboard the uh, capsule were out and uh, able to celebrate their moment. So signs here are of a very successful launch. There was roughly a 10-minute delay to the launch, but in, in a sense, I'm not sure they were that focused on necessarily leaving right at the top of the clock. Mm. They uh, seemed reasonably relaxed about that. And then the 11-minute process unfolded pretty much faultlessly. The rocket taking uh, the capsule almost its... Uh, height, not quite, the release, the return of the rocket and the return of the capsule, having spent three or four minutes in weightlessness back under parachutes to the West Texas desert, you'd reckon Jeff Bezos, uh, the world's wealthiest uh, person, would be pretty happy with his investment right now, Michael. You'd have to say that indeed, and they certainly looked like they were happy with it as well. A bit of history there. Tim Lester in Texas. Thank you.
Well, some sad news today with the loss of one of the giants of Australian TV. For viewers and those of us who work with him, former Channel 7 CEO David Leckie had a huge impact. But early this morning, he died at the age of 70. Here is a tribute to his legacy. There wasn't a room David Leckie wouldn't fill, but his time in those rooms was usually short. Leckie was big, brief and always to the point. Today is a very sad day for the Seven Network. We've lost one of our greats in David Leckie. Large in life and legendary in television over three decades. He was the last of the rock star CEOs. He was so much fun. He was cheeky and he was naughty. He knew it. His TV track record unmatched. He was a big man in stature, he was a huge man in personality and he was an even bigger man in terms of television intellect. David Leckie was the CEO of not one but two networks, cementing Nine's top spot in the 1990s and in 2003 taking Channel 7 to victory. He brought his DNA to Seven and his magic and he turned us from being the number two network into the number one. David loved to win. It's an amazing step forward for this industry and, and particularly Channel 7. He fought so fiercely, you know, in terms of, um, in terms of his craft every single day. And I think in fairness, you know, when you look at the credentials across 40 years, I think he'll be the best ever television executive that this country's ever seen. A leader and a loyal one. He was probably the smartest television person I have ever met. Um, he was brutally honest <laughs> with his feedback to you but also incredibly loyal, fiercely loyal. He and wife Sky were also a loyal and formidable team. A leading charity figure and former David Jones PR queen, Sky and David married in New York and had two sons, Ben and Harry. I think at this stage, it's better that there's just one lecky in media. The smartest boss in television, however, is not how David saw himself. David used to say to me, I'm just a boy from Pimble. I didn't think I was that good. And that drove him. That fear of failure drove him more than anything else. Few people devoured more TV than Leckie. I feel really sad. It's a sad day because there will only ever be one David Leckie. And I feel very honoured that I had the chance of working with him. And he'll be missed by so, so many people. He knew what made a star. And more importantly, he knew what viewers liked. He had the best judgement, I think, of any television executive I've ever worked with. Peter Meekin was Leckie's news boss at nine and later seven. He was the champion of free-to-air television to the end. He was still speaking its virtues when I saw him a couple of months ago at his farm. He never gave up. His negotiations made Australian TV history. A record AFL rights deal for seven that led to a lifelong friendship with former footy boss Andrew Dimitriou. He was a hard man to deal with. Tough negotiator, but he was always fair. He had a high respect for the AFL game and knew what it meant to the Seven Network. Leckie loved all of this. As a reporter, if you had a good story, he'd back you all the way. If you got it wrong, you would find out about it fast, and I experienced both. Not so long ago, I sat with him in his home where he reminisced about his childhood passion of watching endless westerns, sitcoms, news and sport on the black and white TV in the family home. And he remarked that he still couldn't believe he ended up in charge of a TV station. What he knew about programming and talent and the importance of news and current affairs. Um, he was right across all those issues and he understood what it meant for a network to be successful 
Uh, He's left an incredible legacy and an incredible mark on the whole industry. David passed away at his home this morning after a long illness, aged 70. Sky and their boys lowering the flag on the family farm to half-mast. He was a rock star. No, we won't see anything like him again. We're too woke today. We could, no one, no company would have the sort of flamboyance that David brought. I doubt we'll see his like again in executive roles today. And of course tonight, the legendary David Leckie is tonight's final frame. I love to Sky and the boys as well. He would have loved seeing this TV tonight of that rocket taking off. Thank you for your company this evening. From the team here at 7 News, that is the latest. I'm Michael Usher. Have a good night.